Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Mark. That took longer than normal. Well, that's because we just added the two dynamic duos, oh. or the one dynamic duo. That's Welcome back, guys. That's right, we're back. One flesh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be back. Yeah. Yep. Matt was telling me the, the what was that? The ratings were down, so... Yeah, we're running at about fifty percent here. Yeah, to call in the uh, call well, in the experts after our last podcast settled. Drop significantly. <laughs> or, uh, we're just here to soften the blow, is all. Ironically, by far the most popular episode. Is it? Oh yeah, I mean. Oh yeah. Downloads yeah. were like tripled yesterday. Yeah. I had to turn my phone off. It was <laughs> yeah the whole day. It's actually kind of sad that that's the way it is, but yeah, well, at the same time, I think it does speak to the how it's a burden on people yeah if you don't know what we're talking about we're talking about the one we did on racism protests and which came riots. out yesterday but this will be out well over a week later yeah. right i think so yeah yeah anyway it's hard to keep track yeah i mean i, I think in that podcast we were talking about it going out next week <laughs> yeah which will be still last week for the people getting it <laughs> so after you can the service follow, but likely drops before it yeah all of this makes for riveting dialogue yeah. <laughs> we've already been turned off <laughs> so uh what are we talking about faith faith that's right i'm, I'm like, supposed to intro this aren't I, i'm I? like i'm pretty sure we <laughs> agreed <laughs> you're introing and all of a sudden the rules just change okay all right so well, why we don't are, you intro it? yes sir we are working through systematic theology too uh still on the doctrine of salvation of course last time we talked about justification which is a very important doctrine um and today we want to talk about faith which if you remember from that justification episode we said is the instrument through which justification is appropriated and so it's a very, very important doctrine and a major theme all throughout the scriptures. Absolutely. And if you hear me yelp, it's because I'm on a very short leash with my headphones. Every time I sit back, it yanks me forward. So <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> Let's do what we always do. Let's talk about terms, the lexical issues. <laughs> Old Testament term. The first one would be Amon. Um, it's a root that appears in many forms in the Old Testament. It's not, and not all of the, ugh, not all of them are important. Um, the basic meaning, though, is firmness or certainty. In the Niffel form, the meaning is to be established, or the Niffel participle means to be faithful, sure, dependable, describes believers. Um, this form is also used to describe that which upon all certainty rests, which is God himself and his covenant. Now, that's from the theological word book of the Old Testament. I like that, though, that, you know, the thing that upon all certainty rests, it's going to rest in It's a God. firmness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then there's another form with this uh, in the Hebrew, the hithil, that's used to speak of man's relation to God. Did you know when I took Hebrew, I did not learn these? You did say that. Weren't you a guinea pig? Yeah. For a new verbal I, system? Yeah, by, oh, it's terrible. And so all of these, I have to actually go and look them up to find out what 
a, a pool means or yeah, a hithil or we never learned them hith pile i'm like why why would only thing that would happen is me so anyhow but the hithil so you i'm as ignorant of this meaning right now as all of you listening right um it's a form though and depending on the form it uh, it changes meaning in the Hebrew language. So this one is used to speak a man's relation to God. And so in the Hithel, it basically means to cause, to be certain, sure, to be certain about, to be assured. Um, in this sense, the word in the Hithel form is the biblical word for to believe. Uh, and it shows biblical faith is an assurance, a certainty, in contrast to the modern concepts of faith as something possible or hopefully true, but not certain. Again, coming from theological word book of the Old Testament, and it's actually very useful again. It's, it's set upon assurance and certainty rather than hope, yes. a, a vague hope. Right. Um, an example of this would be like the famous passage in Genesis fifteen six, where Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He wasn't just like vaguely hoping that the promise that God was giving to him was maybe hopefully going to happen. We'll see. It was, he was resting on it. Yeah. Right. There was yeah. a trust. And you saw that in his actions. Yeah. I mean, he well, took a big risk. Yeah. Well, and the Hebrews, I mean, we're now in the New Testament. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is showing. It's every one of them by faith, they did, did something. something. Yeah. There's um, action. So the concept here is that the person is gaining confidence or trust in a person or message. The point is that is that built into this is uh, judgment, and the judgment is whether something or someone is worthy of our trust or confidence. And so when you look at the Old Testament, over and over again, the issue is whether the people will be confident in their Lord. Will they look to him for their salvation? Will they trust him to protect and provide for them? And this thought is continued into the New Testament. <coughs> and there goes my headphones as I start hacking. You brought that to a phenomenal close. Um, <coughs> that with the birds out here and just some other things. This is a wonderful episode. Okay, the next one is Batak. <laughs> or if you want the guttural. Batak. I I like the I like doing the guttural. Yeah. Um, no, it's, no. I, I'm serious. It's terrible on sound editing. Just, well, it may be, but it's, <laughs> it's fun to do. It makes you feel like you're really talking the language. Yeah. yeah no, picture this in Hebrew class and just spits flying all around the yeah. room as everyone's doing Excellent. their Hebrew. Trying readings. to do the guttural, yeah, because yeah, it's and the professor very just, unnatural to us. Our, our mouths don't move that way. Yep. Can you imagine some guy who was raised? in like the Amazon jungle, one of those um, back of the throat oh, popping yeah. uh -huh. yeah. languages. Can you imagine him having to learn Hebrew? It's like he, he goes from popping little ticks and pops to trying to I, that clear his throat. Yeah. Kind of fun to watch, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so, <batach. laughs> Um This comes from the theological workbook of the Old Testament as well. Uh, this term expresses that sense of well-being and security which results from having something or someone in whom to place confidence. It is significant that the Septuagint never translate, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament Hebrew, it's significant that the Septuagint never translates the word with believe in, but to hope. In the positive sense, it means to rely on God. In a negative sense, it is to be persuaded in relying on what turns out to be deceptive. Um, many passages use this word in a negative manner in the Old Testament, um, and they reveal there that man is trusting in something that brings a false security. You can get uh, examples of that in the show notes. 
in fact, this reality is has significant actually impact on the nature of counseling or biblical counseling. Uh, the, the culture and other modern forms of psychology and therapy exist to help a person feel secure mm -hmm. in many cases and in many things, but it's ultimately never God himself. Uh, many pastors and even Christian counselors are, are guilty of this. In, in fact, one of the passages you have here that will be in the show notes is Jeremiah 17, 5, and he says, thus says Yahweh cursed, which is a very strong yes. <laughs> statement, uh, is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from Yahweh. So that gets into exactly, what, you know, we think about that with like idolatry and some golden calf kind of thing, but you're saying, and I, I agree with you, you know, we see that within this whole movement where we're trying to make a person feel secure, but it's not found and based solely in the person and faithfulness of God. It's into something else. Right. Um, and and we're, it's wrong. Yeah, 100%. And on a different level, many Christians will sadly put their hope in security. And I put that in quotations, their security in many things other than God. Um, I mean, you see this in many ways with retirement, money, job, education, medications, the economy, technology, so on and so forth. But this is the opposite of what true faith is, is to do. The source of security and confidence is always to be in the Lord alone. Um, at the same time, there are many other passages that speak of finding our true security and sense of well-being in the one true God. Again, you can get those in the show notes. Um, the, in general, the Old Testament contrasts the validity of that sense of confidence, which comes from reliance upon God with the folly of any other kind of security. Uh, it's made plain that all such trust will end in disgrace and shame. I'm quoting from the workbook here. Um, you see that in Psalm 31, for instance, whereas those who hope in God alone will be delivered from their enemies, Psalm 22:4. their prayers will be answered, 1 Chronicles 5:20. They will walk in straight paths, Proverbs 3, 5. They'll be given joy and gladness, Psalm 69. They will know inner peace and absence of fear, which is the big one in counseling, Psalm 4, verse 8. And there's many more. Um, hence the repeated admonition to trust in the Lord, as we see in Proverbs 16, 20. The Psalms, which show the largest number of occurrences still coming from the workbook here, 50 out of the total 181 are most consistently expressive of the values of trusting God. They also make the point that the cause for hope is not in one's merit with God in some or some sort of tit-for-tat arrangement, but only because of God's hesed, which is that, that covenant term of yeah. loyalty or faithfulness again. Um, his unswerving loyalty, his gracious kindness. Ezekiel 33, 13 makes it plain that no one dare hope for life on the basis of his own righteousness. And Jeremiah 7, 4, verse 8 and 14 show the folly of trusting in sacred formulas and structures. In this sense, the Old Testament foreshadows the New Testament in its proclamation that there is hope for those who accept God's gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, in that, that's an extremely good little yeah. article right there. Um, and in that, though, it, it deals with what pastors are always trying to do, right? Where you're looking at non-Christians and we're saying, put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Find it there, right? But then, having come to faith... You're still trying to yeah. have them yeah. now in this day-to-day -day moment as they face new trials, new challenges. And that's part of the grace of the trials is that it, it now creates this new crisis for them. And now it's, will you trust in him? So 
uh, where where lies your hope? Where lies your faith? And and it just continues to embolden them to trust in in God. But good stuff. Yeah, and there's there's many other terms or some other terms in the Old Testament as well that speak of you know seeking refuge. For instance, Second Samuel twenty two three uh, to hope in Psalm thirty three eighteen, and even to fear in. In, in some cases, Genesis 20, verse 11. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but fear is tightly connected to the concept of right, faith. Right, uh, So that's the old. The New Testament, you have uh, what's called the pistuo word group. Um, this w- term is just simply a continuation of the sense found in the Old Testament terms, which say to believe and to trust in, to hope in, to uh, obey. So when you see it in its verbal form here, we're reading from Freiburg's lexicon. Um, it's first as primarily an intellectual evaluation with what one is convinced of as having confidence in what is spoken or written, as having confidence in a person. Secondarily, it's uh, primarily a religious commitment, especially with God or Christ as the object of faith or trust. The term is used especially denoting the exercise of saving faith with the object expressed by using ace, into, or in is that word, or epi. These are prepositions. Uh, Upon, that is what that means. It denotes relying on God for help, having confidence and belief in him. It is also used, thirdly, as committing something to someone to entrust or to place trust in. Uh, and so we have some examples there. You can see them in the show notes. Uh, Matthew nine twenty eight uh, is one of them. In the noun uh, form, uh, we have then pistis. So pistuo was the verbal form. This is the noun form. Um, in in the active sense, um, this term means it, it is it is belief directed toward a person or a thing in which confidence is placed. It speaks of trust. Or reliance, and that that really right there is the heart of pistis or pistuo. It's this idea of trust. Um, it's a reliance upon something. In the passive sense, it speaks of what brings trust and confidence from others. It speaks of their faithfulness, their fidelity, their reliability. It is what inspires confidence. It is a pledge, a proof, or a guarantee. Uh, objectively, it is the content of what is believed. Um, in other words, doctrine or the faith, as we've talked about yeah. many times. Um, that all comes from Freiburg's lexicon. And, and now, compare that to what you hear with your um, health, wealth, prosperity preachers, your word of faith folks, right? Because they take faith and make it a substance, something, a power that you have that then you generate. And then by expressing that, you force God to do something. Right. And it has nothing, right. I mean, nothing to do with the biblical idea of faith, and so people keep thinking, I, I need more faith. No, you you need to you need to understand what it means to simply find rest in God's yeah. person and faithfulness, and and it and you may not feel something, but it doesn't matter. Are is your faith? Is, is, are you settled in your hope? Yeah, that God. It, and it, yeah, and that gets into the idea then of why Jesus will use such statements as the faith of a mustard seed, because it has nothing to do with. The intensity of your own faith that has to do with the object in which your place, which your faith is placed, which is God Himself ultimately. Right. So yeah, your, your faith isn't a power that you put out into the universe and it creates something. It's trust in a definitive object, which is God Himself. And that's the second thing there is that that faith has to be then expressed. Your your resting, your trust, your faith is in something true. I mean, so if right. you're going to believe something false about God. 
um, it's not happening, which is why he says, if you ask anything in my name, that's not, doesn't make Jesus's name a magic formula, right? Um, oh, he said it my name, I guess I better give him a million bucks, you know? Right. Uh, it's, it's in accordance to his character, his person, his will. Purposes. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. now you have faith because you know you're praying in accordance to his will because this is consistent with the character of God. Absolutely. Yes. So, so you did the verbal form. That was the noun form. And then in the adjectival form, now you have pistos. <laughs> um, so it's the pissed word group, basically. In the active sense, it speaks of a person's trusting, believing, being full of faith, confiding. Uh, in the passive sense, it speaks of a person's trustworthiness, faithfulness, dependability. When speaking of God, it refers to his trustworthiness and his faithfulness, but especially of what he says. It's, it's his word. Um, and it is sure, it is reliable and trustworthy. Again, that all comes from Freiburg. Um, you want to do key parallels, parallelisms? Well, yeah. Um, so there's some key parallels. Boy, <laughs> my tongue. Um, key parallelisms related to believing or faith. Uh, these are things that go hand in hand with uh, faith. Uh, faith and obedience. Uh, there's this inseparable connection, and we've already referenced this briefly between those terms, though. Uh, it's important to make a distinction between them, but you can never separate them. Um, so when you read Hebrews 11, it's by faith, but then they obeyed, they acted, they did. Um, so James is conscious of this. This has come from the New International Dictionary, the New Testament theology. Um, James is conscious of the need to prove faith. That's verse 3 of chapter 1. He demands renunciation of all conduct and that conflicts with living faith in confession. That's in verse 6 and following. For him, faith and obedient conduct are indissolubly... Ooh, I'm not sure I can get my tongue just indissolubly. That's pretty That's close enough, close enough for yeah, my good. lips and tongue uh, linked. Um, they would seem, or it would seem that James is replying to those who have taken Paul's doctrine of justification by faith out of context, assuming that Paul's repudiation of works as a ground of justification relieved them of the need for good works in a changed life. Yeah. Um, then you have the connection between faith and fear. Uh, now, though we've been saved out of a judicial fear due to the guilt that was on us, there's still an aspect of fear that is present. It is a warning not to be casual with God, nor with one's salvation. Example of this would be Romans 11, 20 through 21. Paul writes, quite right. Um, they were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. That whole chapter I love, and it he's very serious about you. You should have walk in fear, not arrogance. Yeah. Um, and then there's faith and hope, uh, a close connection between these ideas as well. The faith of a Christian includes a settled trust that God has saved them and will continue to preserve them. In this sense, faith and hope begin to merge. And so an example here would be 1 Peter 1.21, where it says, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And that just ties in those two Old Testament terms. Yep. And then uh, another one is faith and love. Um, and this is similar to faith and obedience, that concept. Uh, and in fact, there, again, there's a close connection between love and obedience, especially in 
John 14 and 15, the disciple of love who speaks much of this stuff. But an example would be 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where Paul says, but now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Yeah, that John 15 one's fascinating because he says, I'm the good shepherd and they hear my voice and they believe, but they follow me. You know, and, and so it gets into that, um, that they, they, they follow him, there's an obedience and stuff, but there's also a, a love for them. And in fact, John, you can't separate. I remember when I preached through that book, I, I, when I got to chapter six, I was showing them that when John uses come, believe, and love and follow, he means the same Synonymous thing. Synonymous terms. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all just interchangeable. And Same thing um, as epistles. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So once you get that, it's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and and it, if you understand it, then it keeps you from legalism, but also keeps you from um, this cheap grace where you just got to believe, but you, yeah. you're not expected then to follow. Right. Uh, then you have faith and life, a very intimate connection there. The one who has faith will possess life. The one who does not have faith will never possess life. So, an example would be 1 John five thirteen. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's saying it's through the faith that you have this eternal life. Yeah. And then another one is faith and repentance. And we'll just hold off on that one because next topic is repentance. Um, but that's another duo that go repent and believe. Go hand in hand. Yeah. There you go. Good. Um, so the next word would be Pytho, this is a verb as well. Um, the perfect tense uh, is the most important when it's in the perfect tense, um, when it comes to the issue of soteriology or salvation. Um, they always mean, that is when these verbs are in the perfect tense, they always mean that one has already examined something and a firm conviction has been reached. Um, so an example would be Luke 20, verse 6, Romans 8, 38, 2 Timothy 1, 5, among many others. And the language used in these passages, if you go and examine those, is for I am convinced over and over again. It's this, this convincing of the mind. And so it speaks of intellectual persuasion, but one that is deeply rooted and firm. Uh, it, it's beyond, in other words, just a knowledge itself. There's also an embedded trust in that knowledge. So it's far deeper than just mere facts. It's arresting, again, that, that firm confidence in something um, outside of you. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, just in closing here, the theology of faith a little bit. Okay. Well, when you try to summarize faith, first of all, it's almost impossible to do. Um, because as you read the Bible more and more, it becomes obvious that faith is interwoven into all the things. And not always is it expressly stated. But you, once you understand what faith is then you're like, wow, there's a whole lot of faith going on here, yeah. <laughs> or lack of faith, right. uh, even though it doesn't use those words. Um, so the example is, of course, the story of Abraham. He was called out of one country to go to another, to become a great nation. And then what you see uh, is the succeeding chapters, how Abraham moving about and involved in various situations. But what you don't see is that emphasis on the term faith. Right, it's just absence. Yeah, it's just stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it, but then you come to Genesis 15, and it says that Abraham believed God. Further, what is missing is any command by God to believe. He simply had uh, always been telling Abraham certain promises, but built into these declarations was the expectation that Abraham was to believe them to be true. 
and therefore act on them. And then again, we see that uh, illustrated in Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah. Now, when it comes to faith, secondly, God intrinsically builds risk into the equation. Uh, and that's important to keep in mind when discussing faith. We, we are to have faith in him, but that fact all by itself is filled with a very real sense of risk. Um, and the risk is that, uh, that we take is, is whether it is God who will reward us in his time, or rather if we'll seek to reward um, ourselves here on earth. And so, so risk again, we, we think about faith as this will produce a desired outcome, but the reality is you don't know what it will produce. You're just called to walk by faith and live by faith. Well, and that's why I don't know if we said it in a podcast or not. Um, when I talk to people about when you're disciplining your children, you're doing it by faith. There's a risk factor, and, and that's what every new parent discovers is they're like, I don't like doing this. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. But by faith, you're trusting that God knows how to train up a child, and part of it's like just training them, disciplining them. And, and, but you're not, you don't see the fruit right away. You're, you're trusting that God is faithful and that you're by faith going to obey him and that God in his time will reward that faithfulness. Or you decide I don't want to take the chance, yeah. and you don't, and then you reap. Yeah, you find out God is extremely faithful both ways. Right, you a lot then of grace reap there. <laughs> what you sow. Uh, yeah, and and the challenge is because in I think every Christian's guilty of this at some level is diminishing the reality that there is inherent risk in faith under the auspices of what we are going to call wisdom. Right, so we'll choose not to do something because this is what's wise. Um, or we'll do this because we see this as wise, when, when in reality, th those are decisions being made from fear under the auspices of wisdom. And so just never forget that there's risk. Yeah, and I throw out even a third one. Um, I'm thinking just friends over the years uh, back in L.A. and whatnot that, um, you know, they, they tried to raise their children well and right, um, but what they discovered as they watched their children rebel is that they also did it with the expectation God had to do it. That's not faith either. <laughs> I mean, really, but it's a sneaky little thing, right? You know, I did my part. You didn't do yours. And it's like, no, you weren't doing your part. You were literally telling God, I'll do this, and you got to now act in this way. And that's, that, there's a subtle difference. I don't know if I can make that point right now off the cuff, but... Yeah, I there's a theology that, behind that too. Yeah. And when and and in fact I would argue that's often what causes people's faith to be weakened or break is because they're being told that this is what faith is supposed to do, and yet God has never promised that. And then so when it doesn't come about, their faith mm -hmm. is diminished. And I mean, you've seen that with some of our friends, mm -hmm. right? Where in certain circles or theological circles, they're they're declaring certain things that God has revealed. And this is what's going to be true of your life, and you need to lay hold of that by faith. And then yeah. when it never came about, they abandoned the faith right. completely, and now they're not even walking with Christ. Right. Well, it's a misunderstanding of faith. And I, no, I was exactly thinking as you guys were going through this, just the importance of this of this topic and fully understanding this biblically. Because if you don't, then like you were saying, you almost turn faith into something that you basically convened what you. What you think God should do, right. essentially, which, which and is really you become not a even word of faith guy, even though you would denounce the word of faith guy, right? Yeah, because right. you've now pronounced, right. "I have done this; God must reciprocate." And right. 
It, it doesn't work that way. God's still God. Yeah. And it creeps in so subtly, even if you're not going to explicitly say it, it just yeah. becomes part of your life. And it's heartbreaking. It's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Now, essentially then, faith is a basic abiding conviction that what God declares is true. That's so simple and yet so huge. Uh, as a result, then, we must order our life lives to be consistent with the declaration. So God tells us, for an example, that in Christ uh, there is life and that in his death and resurrection is the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we are convinced of that, that this is true and that's as a result we are saved. God tells us that we're no longer of this world and its ways and desires and as a result we're convinced that this is true. And so we go about then the process, here's the key part, because we believe that, we're settled in that, our hope is there, we go about the process of extricating ourselves from this world's convictions and lifestyle. That's the evidence that you, in fact, have, mm -hmm. have faith. Have faith. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, but when you see a life conforming itself to the thinking of this world, and this gets even into that whole process, racism, the, it's like, what thinking are, is conforming your actions and words? Is it the word, or is it certain societal pressures there right now at work? Right. Um, that then shows that there's no such thing, therefore, as a, this, of a blind faith, right. as we call it. And, and so when Paul <clears throat> speaks of walking by faith and not by sight, for instance, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he's not speaking of just blindly going along and ignoring reality. Uh, rather, it's that because we're still in that in-between place of the now and the not yet, we still suffer and, and watch our bodies grow weak and tired and all these different things. Yet another lawnmower, yeah. we can't get away from them. Oh, did you, so around here, they mow probably twice a day these lawns. I don't know how much people are paying these lawn people, but it's crazy. These lawns are immaculate constantly. Yeah, we know so, you live in a rich neighborhood. That's yeah. just, the difference is <laughs> at our podcast studio, which is at the our, I'm the no, pastor. It's our bunker. Well, it's the bunker of an undisclosed location that happens to be the. Uh, I'm, I'm the pastor, so I, I made an edict. They will not mow on Mondays. They will mow on Thursday or Friday, and I got it. Yes, sir. Nice. It's like thank you, taken care. Of. So if you could get that edict out to your neighbors, we'd yeah. appreciate that. I'm gonna go pass around. Yeah, I'll yeah, pass just that around. Little brochures. Yeah. <laughs> we should try recording at my. You have no <laughs> building. Don't, yeah, we don't need an email. The people at guys. Yeah. <laughs> we know that. And we'll get to the, uh, the ecclesiology in its time. But I'm joking because I meet in a movie theater and they're not letting us in there right now. Nope. Yeah, I, don't anyway. think okay. I, I actually ate at a restaurant the other day and I had to stand. I, there's this whole rigmarole just to get in. And then I got seated, but before I could sit, she had to do a disinfecting cloth on the top of the table. And so then I sat, and the first thing I did is reach and pull the table closer to me. And I'm thinking, you didn't wipe the underneath. And it's just teeming with who knows what. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, we're, we're going through all of these motions, but we're not actually doing the substance. We Jeez. should probably turn that into somehow something about faith. Try to do that right now. Let's bring this to an end. Oh, Mark, boy. you really want to be on this? You're going to be the object of so much hate. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking. <laughs> no, that's all right. No, that's all right. I'm going to go tell this guy to turn his lawnmower down. We're, yeah. Hey! <laughs> turn it down! <laughs> right, he's not going to listen to me. That right there just brought our viewership up, <laughs> clearly. Um, I don't know. So, anyway, on this, we don't walk by blind faith. Um, rather, we continue to live out with the conviction that God is true. Um, 
and he has said that this body is but temporary dwelling and so soon we'll have that eternal dwelling with him and so there is a now and not yet aspect yeah. but it's not blind yeah and so we're going to suffer we're going to watch the bodies get weak right yep um all people believe therefore but the question is in what or whom do they believe and that's always going to be the question the window through which we can see this is in their actions or attitudes uh for the fuel of our works is that which we truly believe and that's where it gets frightening yep uh very yeah. frightening yes so that's a basic primer on faith uh, Ooh, you said it right i know i always go primer everyone does and it's not right because i think about priming the pump yep but it's a primer that's how i always thought because this is the, the gospel first. primer is not the gospel primer nope it's the primer i've uh i've chosen to My yield to your pronunciation on this thank you you're welcome so it's a mark of wisdom <laughs> and regeneration this is our <laughs> <laughs> you have that much more faith golly okay so yeah primer on faith remember we did mention though that faith precedes regeneration and so faith is what comes before anything else and so the next natural step in the order of salvation therefore is going to be repentance uh we mentioned here that there's a tight connection between faith and repentance and so it is to repentance that next time we shall turn lord willing Ooh, i like the way you i bet you they didn't catch that it's to repentance that we're going to turn to see and yeah. built into the idea of repentance is turning Bam. See, Bam. I unconsciously do yeah. these things. Yeah, I caught Dude. it though. Yeah, well, I'm glad you appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> oh, people hate us. But until then, make sure to tune in, join this conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and faith. Uh, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell all your friends. Mm-hmm.